Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Are you good today? Some of you, that's the most socializing you've done all week. And you're welcome. Your pastor's trying to get you out of your comfort zone so you can receive today. Uh, so it's good. It's good to see faces. It's good to, uh, to talk to people, to greet people. I don't know about you, just by coming to church and seeing your face, I get encouraged. Yeah, exactly. Now, hopefully, when you see me on Sunday morning, you get encouraged too, right? Uh, that was about 75%. I need 100%, right? I get encouraged when I see you, but hopefully you get encouraged when you see me as well. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans. When we get together, it says, I long to see you, that I may impart to you a spiritual gift. But it says, I look forward to seeing you because I'm going to be encouraged by just seeing you. Because we have mutual faith today because we're both coming together saying we want to receive what God has for us. So I believe you're, uh, you're with me today. So if you got your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 5. We're going to start here today. We're going to continue uh, what we were talking about last week and kind of do part two. So we're going to go over Ephesians 5. You know, I don't give many memory verses because I feel like that's like kiddish, but it's really not kiddish to memorize scripture. But I feel like as a church family, these three verses that I shared last week would be some good verses to remember for all of us. So that's why I wanted to kind of go back around. I want to talk about these verses again today because I felt like uh, it was significant last week what we talked about uh, with these verses. So let's, let's read them again, and we're going to get them in us, in our heart, and in our minds. So we're going to talk about these verses again today, Ephesians 5, and I believe it's verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Don't look at your neighbor, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Or some translations say you can understand what the Lord's will is for you. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is God's will, God's way. God's will, God's way. Now, I want to talk a little bit about last week before we talk about what we're going to talk about this week. So last week, uh, as you know, if you were here or you listened to the podcast, because I know just thousands of people listen to this podcast, right? Y'all been listening, right? It's your number one podcast. Please don't tell me the Alien podcast is your number one podcast over me or NPR or, you know, those murder mystery ones. Some of y'all listen to that in this church. I'm sorry. They're interesting, but you need deliverance. Okay. Um, So hopefully Church on the Rock podcast is... Number one on your podcast. But last week we talked about making the most of the opportunities God has given you. Now, we we said it like this because the Bible has two words for the word time. There's chronos or chronos, which is where we get the word for chronological, the time frame, which that is just the time you're born and your life until the time you die. That's the day, the month, the year. It's talking about the chronological time. That word is used in the Bible, chronos. But there's another word in your Bible for time. It's called kairos. Now, kairos means the opportune time. It means the time of decision, the time to make the right decision at the right time. It's the God time. 
So we talked about last week, all of us are living inside of time because we're human beings. We're living on this planet. We're born. There's the dash. That's our life. Then we die. Goes by real quick. But within our time, we realize there are divine times. There are divine windows of opportunity. There are Kairos moments in our life that we have to make a decision right then, right there, or we will miss the right time. Now, this could be all sorts of stuff in our life, but if we're not sensitive to God, we will miss those opportunities that God has in our life. Now, now let me read just a few of these. These could be things like the person you get married to. There's opportune times. You could have said yes. You could have said no. There's a divine time. And if you don't get in the right time, you could miss the right person. There are, there are uh, decisions you have to make about a job that if you don't see the opportunity that God has for you, you could miss the opportune time. It could be the church you go to. It could be a decision about your health. It could be a decision about where your kids go to school. It could be a decision to share your faith. It could be a financial decision, an investment. There are divine times in all of our lives coming and going all the time where God puts these opportune times in our life. And that's what the Bible says. We got to make the most of these opportunities and understand what the Lord wants us to do. Because if we miss them, we don't get them back. And it won't just affect our life. It'll affect our kids, affect our grandkids. It'll affect your husband or wife if you're married. It will affect your future. It will affect the people around you if we miss the opportunities that God has for us. So we have to be, what did we say last week? You have to be awake. We all have to live spiritually awake so we can see the opportunities in front of us because they're coming and going all the time. We talked about last week that we have to live wisely so we can understand what the Lord wants us to do. And lastly, lastly, we talked about we have to obey quickly. When God puts those divine opportunities in our life, which he does all the time, we have to make the most of them by obeying quickly. If God tells you to do something today and you do it two weeks from today, that's disobedience. Wish I would have got a better amen in this Methodist church. If God tells you to do something today and you wait two months to do it, the opportunity might not be there two months from now. That's why I told you to do it today. So that's why the Bible says we have to make the most of the opportunities God has given us in this life and understand what the Lord wants us to do. Now, all of us in here have those divine opportunities, those divine moments. But for all of us, they're different. They're God's specific will for you. What God is speaking to you about your divine opportunities are different than me. The decisions you're making, the opportunities that God has in your life, the things that pertain to your family or your career or your money or your life are different than me. They're all specific to each one of us in here. They're God's specific will for your life. Now, let's look what it says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, in the Passion. I love the way it says this. So be careful how you live, not being like those who have no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are all living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. Listen to this. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have... You will uh, have discernment to fulfill and understand God's 
will. Notice, when you live this way, not like a fool, but wise, and you're awake, and you're listening to God, you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. So the things I talked about last week were really specific for each one of you. I couldn't just blanketly say we're all making the same decisions. We're not. The opportunities I have are different than Amzi, different than Chloe, different than Miss Arlene, different than Chad. We're all different in here. But God is speaking to all of us if we're listening. And I don't want any of us to miss those opportunities that God has given us in our life. This life is short. This life is brief. For all of us, I don't care if you're 25 or 95. Life is short compared to eternity. And if we miss these divine opportunities, we will miss God's will for our life. We will miss the things he wanted to do in our family and in our marriage. We will miss sometimes the things he wanted to do in our money, but we were too afraid to obey him. We will miss the things he wanted to do in our health, but we refused to listen to him. We will miss the things he wanted to do in our community or with our neighbors or sharing our faith or in our church because we're not listening to him. We have to listen to him if we want God's will for our life. Now, wouldn't everybody say in here you want God's will for your life? Let me, let me try that one more time. Wouldn't you all say you want God's will for your life? Yes. Would you say that God's will is better than your will for your life? Yes. Okay, we're in agreement here. That's why the Bible says we have to live wise and understand what the Lord wants us to do so we don't miss these divine opportunities. Okay, that was last week. So last week I talked about God's specific will for you. But today I want to talk about some of God's general will for all of us. Now, when I speak of God's general will, I'm talking about this is what he wants for all of his children. He wants for all of us in here. He wants us to live this way. And why does he want us to live this way? Because by living this way, we are becoming more like him. By living this way, we're going to step into the fullness of what God has for us. By living this way, it's to get into God's joy and peace and fulfillment in the life he wants for us when we follow God's general will for our life. Now, God has designed and created all of us in here. So guess what? He knows what's good for you and what's not good for you. He knows what's best for you and what's not best for you. And so he says through his word, the general will of God, which we're going to talk about today. But also he gives us the specific will of God, which I talked about last week. He will speak specific things for each of us in here on what he wants to do in our life and the opportunities we have. The reason I want to talk about the specific will of God and the general will of God today is this. Sometimes I see people, this is my personal opinion, we are waiting around to hear the specific will of God, but neglecting daily the general will of what God has already told us to do. All right, you're going to have to help me today. Now, I do agree, because I talked about it all last week, you do need to be sensitive to God's voice and, and listening for him and to hear his specific will. But a lot of times, us as believers, we want to wait for that and ignore the general will he said in his word. And he's already spoken to us about things we should do. Let me take it a step further. If we're not actively listening to God's already spoken word, 
and his general will in God's word. Don't expect you to be so sensitive that you hear God's specific will for your life and do it. You follow me? You know why a lot of us wait for the specific will? Because we want the spectacular. We want the big decision. We went like, oh, oh, I don't have a scripture for this. I need to seek his specific will. But you got a scripture about a lot of other stuff, but you don't do that. I don't think you can separate the two. People that are wise and understand what the Lord wants us to do, we're, we're actively doing the general will that God has spoken over all of us to do and listening for his voice. But because we do that, we are sensitive to hear God's specific will for our life. They go together. So I want to encourage you today, and I'm going to explain what I'm talking about the more I get into this, on the general will of God. We, we could read those same verses and say, it says, don't live like fools, but be wise. Make the most of every opportunity and understand what the Lord wants you to do. Okay. Well, I could tell all of you a lot of things in here without even knowing you what the Lord wants you to do. Why? Because I know his general will in his word. I'm going to talk about a few of those things because I think a few of these things that I want to share today is what God is speaking to me that I need, but all of us in here need. So here's some examples for the general will of God. Now, you don't have to pray about this. You don't have to fast about this. You don't have to get in a prayer line about this. You don't have to get a goosebump about this. Let me tell you some of these things in God's word. You don't have to get a word for this. This is God's will for your life. This is what he wants you to do. What about sharing your faith? You don't have to get a word from the Lord. He's already given you a word from the Lord. That's his general will. We don't have to pray about sharing our faith with people. He told you to share your faith with people. Here's another thing. What about being generous and being a giver? Now, you may need to get a specific amount on how much you should give, but you should be a generous giver. Why? Because the word has already said that's God's will for your life. Be generous. Be a giver. If you're like God, you're going to be a giver. Now, now let me go a little bit further. I know I'm taking you somewhere today. How about this? Loving others. You don't need a specific word from God to love others. He's already told you in his general will to love others. Now, now let me clarify what loving others mean. Loving others means that you are loving others with God's love. Let me dive a little bit deeper. That means you're loving the people you don't like. Even in this church. You're loving them with the love of God. That means you're loving the Democrats. I see y'all's Facebook. And you're loving the Republicans. You're loving your LGBTQ neighbor. You don't need a specific word to do that. God already said do it. Didn't say you had to agree, but it did say you need to love them. All right. I'm in the right church. He said to love your Muslim coworker. Don't need a specific word. God didn't say that. Yeah, he already said it right here. It's a general will. We don't need a word from God to know we need to love others. Why? All these things, and I just shared three, and I'm going to share more today. 
These are God's general will for our life that applies to all of us. And if we want to do the verses we just read about understanding what God wants us to do and make the most of opportunities, it's not, he's not just talking about his specific will. He is, but he's also talking about his general will. We need to understand what the Lord wants me to do every day. What does he want me to do? Share my faith, be generous, love others. And I'm going to share three other things with you today, and that's where we're going to camp out today, that we need to do. Now, once again, why do we need to do this? Because God knows what's best for us. He knows how we should live. He knows how we should walk. He knows how we should talk. And if he tells you to do something, that's because it's going to help you. It's going to grow you. It's going to make you a better person. It's going to make you become all you're called to be in God. That's why he tells you to do things. Now, for instance, just like you have to do with your kids. You don't tell your kids when they're kids to do things so you will love them more. You already love them. Same way with God. You don't tell your kids to do things so that they will earn your affection, earn your love, and you'll be well-pleased with them. No, you, you already are well-pleased with your kids. They're your kids. You already love them. But you do tell your kids to do things because you know what's best for you, them. You do tell your kids to do things because you know what's right for them. In the same way God tells us what we need to do because he's our father. And he knows what's best for us. He knows what's right for us. He knows, he knows the paths that lead to life. He knows the paths that lead to peace. He knows the paths that lead to joy. He knows the paths that lead to fulfillment. He knows the paths that lead to the place that we're supposed to be becoming more like him. So he says, go this way and do this. That's my will for you. And if you do that, you'll see the results in your life. Like a good parent does a kid. When you tell your kids to brush their teeth, it's a reason, right? So their teeth don't fall out. So they don't have bad breath. So they get married one day because their breath's not horrendous. You, you tell your kids to take a shower. You tell your kids to put on deodorant. You tell your kids do your homework. So you can grow up and you can get a good job and you can, you can be educated. You tell your kids how to behave. Why? Because you need them to act this way so you can love them? No, because you know what's best for them. And if they listen to your will, life will go better for them. Same way with God. God does that through his specific will, but he does this all throughout the Bible with his general will that applies to all of us. He knows what's best for us, and he says, go this way, go this path, do this, and if you do that, you will see the life that I have for you. The most joy, the most peace, the most fulfillment, and you will become more and more like me. You with me? This is all foundation for where we're jumping off at, okay? You follow me? Okay, just checking. So, we want to talk about God's general will for our life. Now, I just shared three things with you, and that was just off the top of my head. There's many, many more that I could talk about. But God gave me three specific ones this past week that I feel like are talked about in churches all the time. And some of you are going to be like, heard this. They're talked about, but they're seldom practiced by people who follow Jesus, in my opinion. Now, I've been in church 36 years and nine months. 
I know church. I'm a pastor's kid. I've been over-churched. Some are de-churched. I'm over-churched. I've been to more services than you can imagine. So I know church people. I know Christians. I, I specialize in them. I is one. And the three things I want to share with you today are things that are definitely God's will for our life. For all of us. Don't got to pray about it. Don't got to think about it. It's God's will for our life. But it's also seldom practiced. Now, stay with me here. Because it's seldom practiced, this is what I see in Christians. Because if you don't do it God's way, you don't get God's results. Because these things, and I'm going to share what these are in a second. Because these aren't practiced in a lot of Christians, they're very simple. I see a lot of Christians lacking in strength, lacking in joy, beat up, burnout. The love of God is diminished in their life because they don't practice these simple things that God said, this is my will for you. You need to do this because it will change you. So when I talk about these three things, you're going to be like, yeah, I know it. I got it. But do you practice it? Because I think the lack of practicing these three things I'm going to share today that are already written in the word that are God's will for us has hurt a lot of us in here, follow me, and caused a lack of strength, a lack of joy, a lack of fulfillment, a lack of the life, the abundant life that God has for us because we don't practice these things. Now let me challenge you. Why am I saying this today? Am I throwing this at you? I preach messages because God says, that's you first, buddy. So I'm not preaching this on, ooh, me and God, we got together and we got you this week. We talked about it. I said, God, I think these people have these three issues. And God said, yeah, those people at Church of Rock, they, they have these three issues. You're right, Pastor Jordan, but you're not doing it. No, he said, you are not doing these three things in your life like you should. Not in a condemning way, but in a way to give me answers on where I'm missing it. On things I need to do that could give me more strength and more joy and the life that God has for me. And I'm a pastor, so I'm preaching this in the sense of I'm working on this too. But I feel like God specifically said it's for everyone in here today. So are you ready to dive into these things? So let's read First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. In the New King James, three very short verses. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God, what's your will for me? What's your will for me? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you. And he's talking to everybody. That's God's general will for all of us in here as his followers. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And give thanks in everything. For this is. He specifically said. For this is God's will for you. 
Not just for me, but for you and 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 for you. All of us who follow God and we're children of God. This is God's will for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and be thankful in every circumstance. I can feel the enthusiasm knocking me down from the joyful response. That's why we're talking about this today. Now, don't get sensitive about this. But a lot of times, and I heard this specifically when I was praying about this, a lot of us who struggle with our mental health and emotional health, even Christians, this message could change your life. I felt like specifically there's many in here that have been struggling with your mental, emotional health, and you can't figure it out. And you're believing for a specific word from God to help. And God said, well, I got a general word for you to be helped today through your pastor. And if we started practicing these three things every day, because we already know it's God's will, your mental, emotional health will start changing. Why? Because if we do it God's way, we're going to get God's results. If we, if we walk in his will, we're going to get the life that he wants for us. If we do what he's telling us to do, it's only going to end up in a place of more peace, more joy, more fulfillment, more in the abundant life that God has for us. And let's be honest with ourselves. A lot of times when we don't have the life we, we, we want right now and we're struggling in an area, it's because we're not doing what God said. Come on, can we talk? Let's please talk. And a lot of times we want to blame everybody else. We want to say it's something else. It's something else. No pastor. It's something else. No, you're just not doing what God already told you to do. Because if you did that, that would help you. It would change the situation. So in the same way, if you went to a doctor and he said, you have some serious issues. But if you take this medicine, it's going to clear this infection up. You're going to be fine, but you got to take it. You got to take it every day. But if you don't take it, the infection is going to get worse. You would listen to your doctor, right? But then we don't apply the same thing to what God's already said in his word. He says, if you do this every day, it's not works, not because you're trying to get my love or affection or me to please you. But if you do what I tell you to do, it's going to change you. It's going to heal you. It's, it's going to give you strength. It's going to give you joy. It's going to take you to the life that you want. But if, if you're going to get better, you got to do it. Just like if you went to the doctor, if you don't take it, you're not going to get better. But a lot of Christians don't want to do what God said to do, and we just want to get better. It doesn't work like that. And don't blame it on the pastor. Don't blame it on the worship. Don't blame it on the church. It's because we refuse to do what God's already told us to do and wonder why we're not getting better. If you didn't obey the doctor when he told you to take the medicine, you wouldn't get better either. Because you got to listen to what he's saying. It's only for your benefit to make you better. He's a loving God. He only tells you to do things that are going to help you and heal you and restore you and bring the abundant life that he has for you. If he tells you to do it, do it because it will change you. All right. 
I laid a lot of good groundwork for where we're going today. I believe by the end of this, you're going to be a lot more uh, enthusiastic about this message. Let's start here. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. Let's read it in the Amplified Bible. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. This is God's will for us. Now, I would say we could say that rejoicing is praise. Rejoicing is praise. Now, all of us in here would say, we want the joy of the Lord. We, we want God's joy. But joy is a noun, and rejoicing is an adverb. Joy is a feeling, but rejoicing is an action. And the way that God does this, if you have received Jesus, hear me here, and the Spirit of God lives in you now, right. He has brought the joy of God to live on the inside of you. Yes. But there's something we have to do to tap into the joy that the Spirit of God has put in us, yes. and we won't see it until we do it, and it's called rejoicing. Yes. I have ne never met so many negative, discouraged, depressed Christians in the past five to ten years than I ever have in my life. And I know, they're like, where's the joy of the Lord? I thought I was supposed to have joy as a Christian. I thought God put the joy in me by his spirit. He did. But to tap into it, you have to rejoice. To tap into that feeling, you have to do an action first. Which most of us don't want to do. But we will never get the results until we do what God told us to do. Listen to me. Actions always lead, then feelings follow. With everything that God has called you to do, actions always lead and then feelings follow. When we rejoice, the Bible says it draws joy up from the wells of salvation on the inside of us. Look at this verse in Isaiah 12 and verse 3 in the New King James. Therefore, with joy you will draw water. Water is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit from the wells of salvation. Look at what it says in the Message Bible. Joyfully, you'll pull up buckets of water from the wells of salvation. So this is what you got to do. And we're talking about this is God's will for you. You're, if you're lacking joy today, you need to hear my words. Because God's trying to speak to you. And you're like, I'm struggling, Pastor, and I love God. But I need joy. The key is rejoicing. So how do you get the joy that's in you up here? You got to draw it up. But how do you draw it up? Like you draw up water from a well. You have to rejoice and that pulls up the joy that's in you to up here to get into your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your heart, your life. You have to rejoice to get the joy up in your life. Actions lead, feelings follow. But God said that's my will for you that you rejoice sometimes. What did he say? Just when you feel like it, just when there's a praise song at church, when you got a good 
doctor's report. No, it said rejoice always. Why? Because he always wants us to be joyful. How do we be always joyful? We're always rejoicing. Come on, I need some more help in the house of God today. By this message, I can tell you need some rejoicing. You do. No, why are we downcast? Why are we depressed all day? Why? Because we have joy in us, but nobody has pulled it up. And you won't get past your feelings long enough to rejoice. So guess what? Your feelings aren't going to change. You have to rejoice. Then the joy comes up in your heart. Remember that song? I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. How you get it up from your heart? You got to rejoice to get it flowing out of you. Rejoice always. This is God's will for you. Let me give you another example in your Bible. Paul talking to the Philippian church. Look at what he says. Philippians 4 in verse 4. New King James. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I look what the, love what the message says. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in him. If you lived this way. You would have so much stinking joy, I would have to say in service, calm down. Right. Chill out, man. Like, I'm excited too, but y'all need to chill. That's the way church should be. Yeah. Not me up here going, woo, 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 and trying to get you excited all day long like I do every week. Right. If we all were celebrating God all day long, all throughout the week, we were rejoicing all day long, we would have so much joy overflowing, it would be unspeakable and full of glory. And that's God's will for you. His will for you. Man, that's serious. You take God's will serious? Well, his will for you is that you will be full of joy and rejoicing always. You know what's going to change the world? Joyful Christians. No, I need a little bit better response. You know what's going to change our world? Joyful Christians. Not Christians complaining about politics. Not Christians that are negative about the economy. Not Christians that are depressed and broken down like everybody else. Not Christians that are hateful towards people that have a different sin than they do. What's going to change the world is joyful Christians. Why did Jesus change the world in 33 years? Because he was the person that had the most joy. But how do we get it? Rejoice always. Now, Paul said to the Philippian church, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, you get me going now. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let me give you context of this because some of y'all think you got an excuse to be grumpy and pouty and frowny and depressed. Paul, when he was writing the Philippian church, and they say Philippians was the most joyful letter he ever wrote. The word joy or rejoice is 16 times in the book of Philippians. 16 times he put in that short uh, book of the Bible, he wrote joy or rejoicing to this Philippian church. When he wrote this joyful letter telling that church to rejoice in the Lord always because he had been practicing that and again I say rejoice he was in a prison cell now y'all don't get it not an American prison cell with flat screens and 
three hot meals a day and nice blankets. And he was in a Roman prison, which was at the bottom of a pit where people took a dump in all the time. Literally sitting in his own feces and other people's feces at the bottom of a prison, chained up, said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because he had learned to tap into something that was different than his circumstances. Come on, Miss Marion's helping me. I don't know if anybody else wants today. He was tapping into the joy of the Lord, and it wasn't about how he felt, was it? Because he didn't feel good. It wasn't where he was, because that didn't make him happy. It wasn't about what was going on around him. But he said, I can be joyful in every circumstance. Why? Because I choose to rejoice. Come on now, somebody. I choose to rejoice. And I'm not trying to make light of what you're going through, but let's see what you're going through compared to Paul. Maybe Paul knew something you don't, which is if I'm going to tap into God's joy, I got to rejoice. And that rejoicing pulls water up from the well of salvation on the inside of me by the spirit. Come on, are you getting some help today? I'm helping myself rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If Paul could say that, then you could say that in traffic. Hey, I know the bridge is shut down and y'all been using words and it's not rejoicing. Right? Okay. I've been in your car by the Holy Ghost and it was not rejoicing. That blankety blank Sherman Minton bridge. How long are they going to work on 65? The rest of your life. Get over it. The rest of your life. It's okay. The rest of your life. Because they got to do something with their time, so they got to work on the road. Let's find another reason to work on the road. <sighs> Sometimes we need a reality check. The things we complain about, put them into perspective. And if Paul said he could rejoice in the Lord always in prison, part of my language, sitting in people's poop. Can we rejoice? Now, why did he say that? Because some people think, okay, you know, you you just say that because you just want people to put on and just, you know. No, Paul said that because he knows it works. And that's how you get joy in your life. You you rejoice. He, He knows a secret that we haven't fully tapped into as believers. Rejoicing stirs up the joy within you. Now stay with me in Acts 16, and you can just write this down. Now Paul had already been doing this, so he knew it works. In Acts 16, it says, Paul and Silas were in prison. Once again, we Americans think we got it so tough as Christians. You don't. You don't. Paul and Silas in prison for doing nothing other than Being Christians and sharing their faith. Getting people healed and delivered. They got thrown in prison. Acts 16, which Acts 16 is before Philippians. He'd already learned how to rejoice because he knows it stirs up joy. It says Paul and Silas were in prison at midnight. At midnight. It means it's a dark time. Scary time. 
It's a time you don't see any light. You don't see any hope. Paul and Silas were in prison at midnight. And it said, what did they do? They prayed and sang praises. What's praises? Rejoicing. Did they have anything to rejoice about at the moment? No, they didn't. But they realized the answer out of this is rejoicing. The answer through this is rejoicing. The answer to get the joy that we need is rejoicing. So it said at midnight, they were praying and singing praises, rejoicing. And it said when they did, the whole place began to shake and everybody's bands were loosed. Then they got free from the prison. They walked out completely free, but everyone around them got free as well. Golly, that will preach. Your rejoicing is bigger than just you. It's about your wife or your husband. It's about your kids. It's about your community. It's about the people around you that need to be set free. And somebody's got to be rejoicing to break the bands that are around people. To break the depression off people. To break the heartache off people. To break the, just the pressure we feel in this, this evil world right now. We need somebody to rejoice and that breaks the chains that are on people. Breaks the chains. So Paul had learned, when I'm in prison, I know what to do. He'd been there a few times. He did it in Acts 16. So what did he do? Started rejoicing. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. I got to move or we'll be here all day. Are you getting something today? Okay. Trying to help you. Rejoicing gets your eyes off the problem and onto the answer. Rejoicing reminds you of who God is and that he's for you. So if he's for you, what can be against you? Rejoicing is praise. It's celebration of God. Here's some ways that we can rejoice. Now, some of these might be a little bit outside of your comfort zone. But it's good for you. It's good to be an expressive person. Now, I want to say this just because I feel like being honorary today. Some of the same people that say, I'm not an expressive person in worship. Like, Pastor, I don't really sing. And, and I'm not really into people shouting at church and, and dancing at church and uh, taking laps at church. And I, I'm not one of those people. You aren't? Let's take you to a UofL football game. That same person that sits in church like. Some people act like they don't want to wake God up like he's asleep or something. Like, oh my gosh, be quiet in church. Don't be expressive. Shush. You got to be, you got to be honorable and, and don't move. Don't say anything. No, God, read your Bible. He likes expressive worship. Heaven is not going to be quiet. It's going to be loud. It's going to be real loud. There's going to be praising and rejoicing and loud music and shouting and dancing. It's going to be a party. It's not going to be like, oh, my gosh, be quiet, guys. Don't want to wake the angels up. No, it's going to be loud. The people that say they're expressive are not expressive, are expressive in other situations. So the truth is you are expressive. Just about what you love the most. 
Same person. I'll just say men because I am a man. Men seem to be a little more solemn than ladies a lot of times. That, that acts like they're not that way and don't want to be that way in church, which you're the only one missing out by you acting that way. Um, it's very expressive at the UofL game. They got their shirt off, painted red, and there's somebody who doesn't need to have their shirt off. <sighs> Let's just say that. Isn't it always the guy that paints their belly is the one that doesn't need to be the one that has their shirt off? Right? It's never the one with the abs. It's the one that needs Weight Watchers is the one that has the shirt off. Okay. That same guy will paint his face red and his belly red and be shouting and dancing and partying and drinking and high-fiving and taking laps. And then somebody does that in church, you're like, man. I'm not into that, man. Yeah, you are. And you get more out of the game when you're expressive. And that's just a game. It's the same way with God. You get more from God when you're expressive. I'm not talking about fake and being phony and taking over the service, but I'm saying all of us, if we want to rejoice, we're going to have to have some actions that rejoice, that praise. We need to lift our voice. We need to sing. We need to dance. We need to shout. We need to be expressive. In the Old Testament, when people praise God, they did all the above, and God loved it. And sometimes you have to be expressive for those chains to break off your life. Yes, you're right. That's right. That's right. Really good. You have to be. Because praise and rejoicing brings the joy up from what's on the inside of you. I know a while back, I was at the park, Charlestown State Park. Y'all don't be looking for me out there. And... It was a tough week. It was an emotional week. I got a lot of things going on in my life. One is an 11-year-old little girl. (laughs) And a church and a lot of other good stuff. But it was just a week I was feeling overwhelmed and I was feeling down. And, you know, I was on this walk and I had my headphones in. I was listening to a podcast. And I knew better because I'm like, man, I am moping But I know the answer. I've been in church too long to not know the answer. And I know if I need to get out of this funk, I need to rejoice. If I want this joy, I need to rejoice. And you know what I did? I put on Bishop G.E. Patterson. Because I may look white, but I am a brother on the inside. That was how I was raised on black gospel my whole life. And I put on Bishop G.E. Patterson, old time gospel music. Because I needed some expressiveness. I needed something to stir me up because a podcast wasn't changing my mood or my feelings. I needed the joy of the Lord. And so I'm at Charlestown State Park on the road by myself, just me and the deers and the bobcats. And I got my headphones in. And you know what? I started making myself dance at the park. And I had headphones in and I was just dancing. I was was doing all these black gospel dance moves. And I was rejoicing and I was singing the song. And guess what? My mood changed. My feelings changed. My circumstances changed. And about 30 minutes later, I got back to my truck and I felt like a completely new person. And I had some joy. Why? Because I rejoiced and it pulled up the joy that was on the inside of me. But it wasn't a feeling. It was a choice first. And the feelings followed. Sometimes you just need to do that. You know the answer, church family, because it's the Lord's will for you. But you got to stir up the joy. 
that's within you. I got to move on so we can get closed here. Let's look at First uh, Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. So he said, rejoice always. Why? Because it brings up the joy that's in you. Be persistent in prayer. This verse right here, different translations say it different way. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Never give up praying. Praying at all times. Continuing in prayer. Living a life of prayer. That's what this verse says. That we should be someone who has a life of prayer. That's an ongoing communion with God every day. It's God's will for you. It's not just something we just say, y'all need to pray, just in a religious way. No, it's God's will for you. And prayer should be our first response to everything in life, not our last resort. Prayer is simply talking to God. We should, all of us in here, if we want God's ways and God's will in our life, we should be talking to God throughout our day. Because by praying, we're getting God involved in our life. Because he cares about us. Smith Wigglesworth said it like this, great man of God. I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer, but I never go a half an hour without praying. What was he saying? I have a life of prayer. I'm one of those people that I'm praying without ceasing. I have an ongoing communication with God. Now, trust me, if you did that every day, you would be so much stronger spiritually. You'd have so much more peace, so much more joy, because you'd realize you're not in this life by yourself. God's helping you. Now, let's be honest, because I'm going to be honest about myself. Oftentimes, the times in my life that I'm not praying a lot, because I really believe I can do it without him. Pastor, you believe that sometimes? Yeah. I do. I don't say that, but by not praying, I am saying that. Now hear me. I realize that God's given me gifts and abilities that are from him. And sometimes I'm trusting in them so much, I'm forgetting to get him involved in my life. But it's the same way with you. When we don't pray, it's saying to God, we don't need you involved. I got this. That's what the Bible calls pride. But I realize in my life, even as your pastor, the times that I don't pray as much as I should or don't live this lifestyle, I'm only hurting myself because I could be getting God involved in my life more, in my decisions, in my choices. But it's the same way with you. When you go all throughout your day and you never pray, you never talk to God, you're saying, God, I got this. But you know what the truth is? You don't got it. You don't. I don't care how gifted or special or educated you are or how rich you are, whatever you got, you don't got it. Your strength can only go so far. Your brain can only figure out so much. You need God's divine help. You need his strength. You need his wisdom. You need his direction. You need his joy. You need his peace. You need his life flowing through you. The Bible says without him, you could do nothing. 
But when we don't pray, we're saying, God, I, I can do this without you, but we can't. It leads to a place of you getting frustrated, burnt out, beat up. Why? Because you're doing it in your own strength. That's why he says pray without ceasing. Continually commune with God. And when you commune with God, you're relying on him and not yourself. I got a few more things and I'll close here. But just so you guys lighten up a little bit, would you guys like to know the most annoying quality about Morgan? No, I, no, I told her this was coming. <laughs> Do y'all want to know or not? Y'all want to know? Y'all want to know? No, she'll like it. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about praying without ceasing. This is her most annoying quality. Now, I'm a verbal processing person. Like, I don't talk to everybody about my issues, but the people I do talk to, I just let it fly. Why? Because I'm just that way. I'm a verbal processor. I'm not somebody who just sits over in the corner. I have to literally, like, verbally say my thoughts out loud. And then at the end, I gather the ones that I should keep. <laughs> right? And, I, and then I realize maybe, like, half of those I shouldn't keep. But I have to say it out loud, so I'm a verbal processor. Anyways, so when I have issues going on in my life, I only talk to a few people because of my position in life. Talk to my dad, call like Pastor Dennis Hattaball or Pastor Keith Rogan, but I talk to Morgan about it. Sometimes she likes it, sometimes she doesn't. But that's what she signed up for, right? You signed up to hear me rant about stuff because I'm a verbal processor. Her most annoying quality. So... When I'm overwhelmed about life, because I got a lot of different things going on, and I, I get overwhelmed about life, and I vent to Morgan, and I'm, I'm just sharing about, you know, where the church needs to go, and where my health needs to go, and what happened with Natalie the other day, and what about the Boger boys, and what about, you know, dad's ministry, and what about this situation at church, and I start going down all these trails, and verbally processing, and you know what she does? It's the most annoying quality she has. Right in the middle of it, she goes. She puts her hand out. She goes, you know what? You want to pray about it right now? Because I'll pray. Not me pray. She goes, I'll pray for you about this right now. The answer is no, I don't want to pray about it. I want to talk about it so I feel better about it, and I want you to listen and act like my life's horrible. <laughs> no, I don't want to pray about it. I don't want to be spiritual. I don't want to act like I'm a pastor. I want to say what I want to say, and you listen, and you act like, oh, I feel bad for you. I'll go get you some ice cream. It's the most annoying quality about her. She'll cut me off mid-conversation. Because, you know, if I get going, it could be an hour. <laughs> so she put her hand out and say, you know what? You want to pray about it? Because I will pray for you right now about it. And I'm being honest. Some days I've said, no. <laughs> I don't. I don't want you to pray about it. 
don't want you to bring up praying about it. I want you to listen and act like, poor baby, you need some help. You need some ice cream. Forget about it. So, God had to talk to me about that. And you know what he said? Morgan's right. Because the Bible says pray without ceasing. At all times. Never stop praying. And if I want to get God involved in those situations I'm venting about, he's not getting involved by me complaining about it. He's not getting involved with me just venting to her. He's not getting involved just because I'm like, I'm verbally processing God. That's still not me asking God to get involved in it. And she's pointing me to the person who can actually help me. Because she's washed her hands of me at this point. I can't help him. You need the Lord. And I do. And all of you do too. Because sometimes your husband and wife can't fix it. Because they're not God. Your friend can't fix it. Your kids can't fix it. And sometimes your pastor can't even fix it because I'm not God. And the answer is to do what? To pray about it. Because praying about it gets God involved in my life. To get his strength, to get his joy, to get his wisdom, to get his direction, to get his thoughts on this. Because I can't figure it out. That's why I'm talking about it. And if I'm overwhelmed about it, that means that I need his help. I told you you'd like it. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Why? Because when you stop praying, you're saying, God, I don't need you today. But we do need him. Think about how your life would go if you were praying all day long, asking him for wisdom, asking him for direction, asking him for strength, getting him involved even in the little details of your life, how much different your life and your day would be. It would be different. Now, what did the Bible say? That's God's will for you, that you rejoice always and you pray without ceasing. That's his will. Why? Because God wants to help you. And prayer is saying, God... Get involved in my life. I need your help. He's a gentleman. He won't override you. If you say, no, nah, I got it, he'll say, okay, you got it. You go come back. But if you say you got it, no, I, I got this, God. He'll say, okay. Prayer is asking God to get involved in your life. Last thing, and I'm going to close. I know it's one hour. You guys thought it was like 10 minutes, right? Because it's just been such a great message today. But I need it close. Uh, Brother Darrell, could you come play? Lastly, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 in the Amplified. This is the last thing that he said. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So we could say if... Rejoicing is praise. Thanksgiving is worship. It says in every situation, in every circumstance, be thankful for this is God's will for you. Notice 
not for every situation, but in every situation. Because every situation you face is not necessarily from God. But in every circumstance, when we're thankful, we can keep our heart and our mind in a place that God can move. Thanksgiving and worship is a place of faith. It leaves the door open for God to move in our life. When we are thankful people, even in the darkest days and the darkest times, we get God involved in our life. Because no matter your circumstance, God is still good. I said, no matter your circumstance, God is still good. And God is still loving. And God is still for you. Even if your circumstances are trying to scream at you something different, thanksgiving and worship keeps our mind and our heart in the right place. God, you're good. I've heard it said before that praise is praising God for what he's done, but worship is thanking him for who he is. It says that being thankful in every circumstance is God's will for you. You with me today? If we do it God's way, we get God's results. Now, all over the Bible, it says, be thankful, be thankful with thanksgiving. Why? Because God knows an attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude will help us. Now, listen to this. I, I've done some study about this. Now, these are people that study mental and emotional and physical health, not necessarily Christians. They've done studies about people that practice gratitude or thanksgiving every day. This is what they said. When people that practice gratitude daily, it reduced their stress. It reduced their anxiety. It reduced their depression. But at the same time, it increased happiness, satisfaction, and even their physical health got better. Those who practice daily gratitude. If we do it God's way, we get God's results. Now, God knew that's what it would do for you if you practiced it thousands of years ago before they ever did a mental health study about it. This is what they said about people that practice gratitude and thanksgiving every day. It actually boosts the neurotransmitters in your brain, like serotonin, dopamine, that make you feel good, that make you feel happy, that give you energy when those people were grateful. They've even studied it, and one of the major factors, hear me, in healing trauma is the practice of gratitude. God said that a long time ago. Before any doctor figured that out, when we're thankful, that's what it does for us. It does that in our spirit, but it does it in our mind, our will, our emotion. It changes our body. When we do what God told us to do, he knows what's best for us. Even before a scientist or a doctor figured that out, when we're thankful in everything, in all circumstance, changes us. It even heals us. And it keeps our heart and mind in a place that God can move. It's a place of faith when we're thankful. All of us in here can find something to complain about every day. All of us can. 
but also all of us can find something to be thankful about every day. But it's our choice. But if we choose Thanksgiving, notice all the things that come with it. Our mood changes, our mind changes, our spirit changes, our body even gets stronger and healthier when we do it God's way. Now, all three of the things I shared today are all choices. But when we do it, the feelings and results follow. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and be thankful in everything for this is God's will for you. Did you guys get something today? We're going to have a time of worship here in a second because I think it's good to be thankful. We talked about praising, praying, and worshiping. Then we're going to do some of that in a second. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.